<laughs> Me too. Hey, hey. <laughs> Turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of First John. First John, exactly. First John, chapter 2. Last week we listened as John continued his message intended to help his readers to see where their true joy came from and to restore the joy of those who had lost it. Boy, it seems like there's a lot of people in the world that have lost their joy, doesn't it? Seems like there's a lot of people in the church pews today that have lost their joy, doesn't it? Some, some you wonder if they ever had it. Right? I mean, they just don't seem, they, they walk around with a pooch mouth. They, what, they need to be here, don't they? Not only that, hey, listen, they need to read the book of 1 John because that's what it's all about, restoring your joy, finding joy, remembering your joy. As we heard John's words, we came to realize that without scholarly influence, especially last week, it would be, it would be easy for any reader to become confused by what he had written. John first warned us, warned us all about becoming friendly with the things of the world. The world being things that were manufactured by Satan, implemented by man, that separated man from God. We learned that John was not speaking of the world as in things God created and pointed man to God, but things that drew men away from God. Tonight, we'll continue to hear words of wisdom from the Apostle John. So let's pick up reading in John chapter 2, verse 18. John 2, verse 18. John starts off with an endearing word, children. He says, children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. We know from this that it is the last hour. That they went out from, from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However... They went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I have not get written, written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies come from the truth. Who is a liar? If not the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son can have the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, again, we, we come to you, Lord, confessing our sins and asking you to forgive us where we fail you. We thank you for your word tonight, and Lord, we pray that you would illuminate our, our thoughts and our minds that, that we might better understand what's taking place in the Scripture tonight that we might be but greater servants for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. Uh, as I sat in my office and I was starting this message and I was contemplating the scripture, I, I really wanted to just backtrack for a second because we've been in 1 John for, for several weeks and I, I just want to remind us where, where we are. Uh, I think it's important for us to take a moment and remember what was taking place in the world and the Christian history uh, to better help us to feel the weight of the Scripture tonight. Uh, it, it could very well help us to better understand why John felt so compelled 
to write the letter to the church as a whole. John may have had a, 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 a distinction, uh, excuse me, a destination in mind for this letter to land, or he may have had several destinations in mind for this letter to land. But he surely had no idea that the letter he was writing would land today in every nation in the world. This letter is everywhere. Everywhere. This letter is just as important to us today as it was to the church that John was writing. John Phillips says this. He says, John's native land was far away in the land of Israel. Although he now lived in Ephesus, a pagan city, uh, on the edge of the European world, probably he had come there to escape the Roman War, which had engulfed his homeland and brought about the downfall of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, and the virtual end of the Jewish national life and society. The church was, was being sought after and killed at every corner of the then known world. John would not stand for half measures when it came to revealed truth. He writes in terms of black and white with no tones of gray. As John saw it, everything is true or false, right or wrong, light or darkness, love or hate, life or death. The church needed hope and restored joy. John thus felt compelled to write. Do you understand now the weight of where he was and why he was writing this message? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've, you, and there's been a couple of times in my life as a pastor, especially with, with church polity and things that go on the state convention, and uh, just I'm trying to think of whether I want to say this or not, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. There's been times where, uh, I have been heavily involved with the state and the local association. And things have happened, and people have said things. And, and Tony, I'm sure you've done this as well. I mean, being in the position you're in. And you see what people say and, and, and how they, they'll write publications and they'll write articles. And there's some things you're just like, man, I can't believe you said that. I just, yeah, I, but you just let it roll off your back. And there's other times things that happen, and, and it's just like, you can't. You just can't. You just can't sit back anymore. You can't not say anything. So you write a letter. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever done Have you ever done that, Tony? You've never written a letter to somebody? I mean, not, not, not anonymous letter. I mean, I've, I've written two people. Uh, the, the person who was in charge of the children's home, Connie Maxwell Children's Home in the state of South Carolina, I wrote him a very lengthy letter, and I got a response back. Uh, I just wasn't happy with the way uh, they were accepting funding, and they were, they were trying to get constant funding when they had four years supply sitting up there in the state and they were well I'll just leave it at that but you know I, I, I wrote a letter this is what John's, John, John has taken he has seen his, his hometown destroyed he has seen the temple destroyed he's seen Christians being uh, sought after and killed on every corner and John has just kept quiet but he, he can't he's seeing Christians lose all their faith hope and their joy and he's saying, listen, guys, just stop. Stop. I mean, it almost goes back to the psalm. Be still. Listen to what I'm trying to write to you, what I'm trying to say to you. So this letter is very, it's a very heavy letter, but it, it's one that needs to be received by those who are reading it as well as the church today. Churches, this is a phenomenal letter to us. 
Now, what does our scripture tell us tonight? We see in verse 18 that John is making an unusual proclamation to the church. Look at verse 18. Now, now think with me. We're, we're in 2020, right? Has Jesus come? No. But do we still have the promise of his coming? Absolutely. Well, hold on a second. John, John was an apostle. He was more than apostle, right? Who, who was the one who was called the one after, uh, who, who loved the most? John, the beloved disciple, right? He, he had a connection with Jesus. And listen to what he says. He says, children, it is the last hour. Now, when he wrote that letter, was it the last hour? No. Did he think that it was the last hour? Yes. Did he have reasons in his mind to think that it was the last hour? Yes. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. And he says, as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. How would he have knowledge of that? Prophetical writings, things that Jesus said, right? He said, Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. So there were many antichrists around him, surrounding him. Well, hold on a second. I, I don't, we'll get to it in a second. Y'all calm down. We know from this that it is the last hour. Again, was it the last hour? Did John believe it was the last hour? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So we have, we see in verse 18, John making the unusual proclamation. Jesus had made reference to his coming, uh, to the coming of the Antichrist. And the Old Testament prophet prophetical books, especially Daniel, told of his coming. Jesus also tells us in all, all four Gospels that we are to keep a constant look, uh, a set to set our gaze on his, Jesus' soon coming. Now, we're to be ready and to be in great anticipation of his return. Jesus' return, not the Antichrist. Uh, but the truth is, we're, we're not certain when that time will be. Just as we are, uh, there are many indicators in the day that, that we are close to the time of his return, the same sentiment must have been felt in the day that John lived. It, it was. Jerusalem in all its splendor was gone, and every Jew and Christian was watching and waiting for the time when Matthew 24, the parable of the fig tree, would take place, when Israel would once again become a nation. There's urgency in John's heart tonight. Listen, guys, we're close. The hour is at hand. That urgency needs to be magnified to a, late, to, to a greater degree in the church today because we are closer. We, are, we, we can look at the, the prophecy of the parable of the fig tree and say, listen, if the indicator was when Israel became a nation, May 24th, 1948, we're close. We're, we're close. Brother Kyle, do you know the actual time, hour? No, I don't know the hour, the second, the day. I, I don't have a clue. I, I really don't. I don't know whether, Ricky, it's going to be day or night. I have a feeling, though, when the rapture takes place in America, it's going to be daytime because it's nighttime in Israel. And it talks about, you know, if, if it happens at night, do this. I mean, and that's just, I'm, I'm just, you know, going off here. I mean, I, you can't support night or day in Scripture at all. 
but we know he's coming. And we know we're closer today than we were in John's day. There needs to be an urgency in our lives as there was in John's life is telling people, listen, we're close. We're, we're close. You, you need, listen, you need to be ready. You don't need to lose hope. You need, don't need to lose your joy. You, you, we're close. We're so close. John makes these comments concerning there being many antichrists. And see, y'all, I told y'all I was going to get there. Miss Virginia, see, settle down. John makes these comments concerning there being many antichrists because of who was in power. It is said that John lived through 12 different Caesars in Rome. Well, what's the big deal there? All of these men who were put into the supreme position of Caesar considered themselves to be call, and called themselves what? Gods. Gods. Now, this may help you to understand the, the Roman Catholic Church and how it evolved and their thinking when, when, uh, when then as well, their thinking now that their Pope is considered to be a God-man on earth. Now, it should also help us to understand John's thinking as, as, as being the last days because every time he was turning around, there was yet another man calling himself the Savior of the Roman world. Twelve in his lifetime. Now, I, I haven't sat down and figured it up. I think I've lived through six or seven presidents in 49 years. I think. I'll sit down and figure it up after a while. But they don't consider themselves God. These Roman Caesars, they, they did. They did. And they ruled as if they were God. So in real life, I mean, John, they, they were considered Antichrist. And he was seeing it happen all the time. John then begins to talk about a group of people in verse 19. Look at verse 19. He says this. He says, They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they wouldn't have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belong to us. Is John talking about church members when they come and join the church and they, they stay a little bit and they leave and that, those people are a bunch of, I mean, is that who John's talking about? Nah, I mean, there's, there's Christians who have attributed that scripture and, and tried to use it for that, but that's, 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 that's not the case. This verse, verse 19 seems odd when reading it in context with the other verses. Yet John was trying to help his readers to understand that these people are ones who are sucking the life out of them and the church. People come in, they don't stay for a long time, they start problems, and then they leave. But they were never a part of the actual church. I, listen, I thank God we haven't had any of those here. In the eight years that I've been here, Brother Frank, I, I don't recall a time where we've had anybody here like that. I really, and I, I praise God for that. Uh, I was talking last night. We had some friends come through uh, from, from Rock Hill. They, they had gone on a, on a cruise, and they were coming back, and we had dinner with them. And he, he is a pastor, but he's not in the pastorate right now. And, and it's sad because church, I'm telling you, most churches are not in the health that we're in. 
And I'm not saying we're the healthiest church in Savannah. We, we're, the, we, you know, we're the cream of the crop. There's always things we can do better. But I'm telling you, the number of churches in America today that are just in terrible turmoil, it's, it's unbelievable. It's sad. It is scary. I've had friends, and I've told you all this, the, the 35 guys that I graduated with at Fruitland, there's two or three of us that are still in the ministry. Tony could probably tell you stories just like it. And it's sad. Why is that? It's the condition of the church. It's the condition of the church. John Phillips says this. He says, the people in, in the view here were not merely backsliders, but apostates. They weren't backsliders. They were apostates. There is a difference. Philip says, dig deep beneath the surface of an apostate and to the dark depths of their heart, and you'll find Satan, who delights in the founders and the followers of Christ dishonoring cults. Who, who could John be speaking of in the day that we now live? Those who professed Christ and then followed cults and do not believe Jesus is the one and only Son of God. I don't know what the statistic is, and I keep referring to you, Tony. I'm glad you're in the service tonight. There, there used to be, I think, golly, when I was in the youth ministry, the leading cult on college campuses across America was Baja. Any of y'all ever heard of Baja? It's, it's, uh, it's a, a cult, I about said religion, it's a cult that... that Claim, they're, they're pluralistic. They are many gods. Uh, the one who supports, I've seen given more support than anybody else in my lifetime, is Madonna. And it's, it's multifaceted. And you, you don't, you, there's many ways to God. You can do this and this and this and this and this. And it was really, really strong on the, on the, on the uh, college campuses years ago when I was a youth pastor. And I tried to warn my youth. And, and years ago, uh, we were actually going to David Gallimore's church in Easley, South Carolina. Uh, and we turned the corner. And there was a brand new Baja church within like spitting distance of David's church. Do you know Dr. Gallimore? You don't? Huh? Yeah, it was Follow the Light Baja Church. And I walked in and, and I talked with Dr. Gallimore and I was like, what do you think about this? He said, I fought it, I fought it, I fought it. He said, there's nothing I can do about it. All I can do is warn my church, warn my, my, my congregation. But this is what was happening. So many youth all over the world, they, they, were, they were coming to church, they, they, they had knowledge of Christ, but it was superficial. They didn't have an a in-depth relationship with Jesus. They would go to co college campuses. They would get involved with these groups, and they would steer away. They would grab them. Uh, years ago when I was uh, working as a lineman, one of, the, one of the people who worked under the same supervisor as I did, we were working on a job, and he says, listen, you need to pray, pray for Chuck. And I was like, what's going on? He said, you just need to pray for Chuck. I've, I've been talking with Chuck, and... You need, you need to pray for him. I said, what's going on? He said, he has gotten involved with something and they're sucking him in and they're, they won't let him go. They won't leave him alone. I said, what is it? He said, it's Baja. And I'm not supposed to do this as a lineman, but I got on my radio and I called my supervisor and I didn't have a reason to call my supervisor. I said, can you flip over to, to channel 19? That was our open communications. I said, Chuck, can you call me at my house tonight? 
And he said, Kyle, something wrong on your job? And I was like, nope. I just need to talk to you personally on. I could have gotten fired, y'all. But that's how serious it is. And I, I mean, I, I could give you a long list of cults. But we need to be careful. We need to know. Parents, we, we need to know what we believe. And we need to support what we believe. It's a part of our joy. And when we don't, and when we don't give that to our children, it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. Listen, it's, it's dangerous when you try to give your children everything and, and, and the spiritual knowledge and the scriptural knowledge. It doesn't always go. Amen? Or oh me. Now, John then tells his readers why their faith and joy should be strong in verses 20 and 21. He tells us this is why your joy should be strong. Number one, we have an anointing by God. Why aren't we excited about that? Brother Kyle, what are you talking about? I, I, I haven't been anointed in oil. We're not talking about being anointed in oil. You, you've been anointed by the Holy Spirit of God. The same Holy Spirit that was present on the day of Pentecost lives inside of each one of us. The Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, and directs us. John is saying, listen, you, you need to be excited. You're joy. Listen, you are uh, anointed by God, and we are. Somehow we forget that. Somehow we forget it. Number two, he says this, we have knowledge of who Jesus was, is, and forever will be. We don't have a superficial knowledge. And listen, not like that. We're, we're held to a higher standard because the readers of the, the letter, initial letter, they didn't have the Word of God to carry with them and sit up in their back window or, or, or leave it somewhere or not write their name in the front of their Bible. They, they didn't have this. We do. This ought to be so precious to us. We, we have this. We have greater knowledge than those who he's writing to. Number three, he says, because... We know the truth and know that no lie comes from the truth. Guys, listen to me. Youth, please listen to me. This is why we don't need, we, we don't need to cling to opinions. We don't need to cling to opinions. Everybody has opinions. Everybody has opinions. And this is my thought and this is what I feel and, and this is how I see it. But please understand, if it does not, your opinion does not line up with the Word of God, God could care less what your opinion is. His Word always stands. It is always true. There's no lie in His Word. In our opinions, there's lies if it doesn't line up with Scripture. John says we ought to take joy in that, that, that we understand the truth. We, we have the truth. Here again, they, they had a knowledge of the truth, but we have a copy of the truth. That's why it ought to be so, so sacred to us. But we take it, for van take, it, take it for granted. John finishes this portion of Scripture tonight by telling us where all of the trouble in the world it, that we're having is coming from. Now, you, you do know the answer to this, right, church? Y'all know where all our trouble comes from, right? Everything that is wrong in the world, the world that we live it is the same thing that caused all the problems John is addressing tonight. Look at verse 22. He says this, Who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Messiah? He is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son can have the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father 
as well. Church, we, we can go a long way in our Christian walk just by remembering where our roots come from, where, where all our joy comes from, as well as knowing where the roots of our misery come from. Acknowledging the roots and moving forward in our walk, no matter what comes our way. Our joy comes from us knowing. Knowing what? Knowing who we are in Christ and never forgetting that Satan is our enemy. He's our enemy. We don't give in to our enemy. Do we? Let's all pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this word. We thank you for John, your apostle, your beloved apostle. God, we thank you that you have given each one of us in America an ample opportunity to have a copy of your word, to read it, to study it, to apply it to our lives. God, that we don't lose our joy. It's so sad, God, to see somebody who was so full of life when they first accepted Christ, to see them lose their joy. But it happens all the time, Lord. Help us tonight not lose our joy because we know it comes from you. In Jesus' name I do pray. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come and just spend some time at the altar, will you come?